So welcome to People with Passion for Pets, Miranda and Victoria. I'm so excited to have you. So nice to be here. Yes, it's really wonderful to be here. Miranda and Victoria, you are the ladies behind the popular podcast, The Animal Files. And I listen to your episodes and you always have some really fun topics. So I'm excited to talk to you about what inspired you to do your podcast and what's in the future. How did you get started? What made you start a podcast? No, I'll let Miranda start that because she's the one that asked me to do it. So <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let her kick it off. <laughs> well, Victoria and I, we discovered that we both have a passion for animals, but in different ways. I have a background as an animal health technologist. Initially, when I was thinking about a podcast, I was thinking about it on my own. And I'm like, I'm not ready to do this on my own. And then suddenly I was like, oh, why don't I ask Victoria? She was on board like immediately so (laughs) (laughs) immediately (laughs) that's awesome so did you have any background in podcasting or was this like a totally new venture so it was completely new and it it's very welcomed and I have loved every second of it since we started (laughs) Miranda alluded a little bit to your background so talk a little bit about your background and what you what you do Um, Well, I started off as an energy practitioner. I'm a level four healing touch for animals practitioner. And through that, I went even more into energy. I got uh, my Reiki master teacher certification. I've always had a lot of experiences with my animals. I've had cats my whole life. And that right there was like, that was the connection. The, the spirituality and the animals. And then I got into animal translation. I call it that not necessarily it's communication, but I call it translation. Yeah. And that is really so fascinating about your podcast, the animal files is that you bring those two worlds so well together, right? So you have Miranda and Miranda, I, I did want you to talk a little bit about your background as well, but you come more from the technical side. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Like I said, I was trained as an animal health technologist And I worked in the vet clinics for a few years, but I also had my own business doing pet sitting and dog walking services. Part of my training as an animal health technologist was having to go to the Humane Society and work in the euthanasia section. Unfortunately, there are also animals who get euthanized because the shelter has run out of room and they need to make room for new animals coming in. Some of the reasons that people were surrendering their animals the dog barked too much or the animal grew too big these things could be prevented or at least greatly reduced if people understood more like what to think about before they get an animal in the first place for example but also understanding the responsibility of having an animal so that they're not getting them on a whim yeah and i so agree with that both jim and i have been involved in in the humane society and and rescues and jim used to work on the big island of hawaii for the humane society and and same same situation where he was uh, unfortunately involved in having to see how many animals how many wonderful animals Um, have been euthanized just because there isn't any room to take care of them. And it's just a wonderful thing that you guys are, you know, found each other. And the interesting thing is you don't live close to each other, right? You're in two different countries even. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
that's yeah, probably so like 3000 miles away. Something like that's that. awesome. That's uh, the wonderful, wonderful thing about the technology we have now. But how do you come up with your topics? Where do the ideas come from? Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> She's an incredible researcher. She is brilliant in that aspect. So she she takes that and she runs with it and she gets us the greatest topic. You know, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we talk about overlaps to some extent. We can talk about it in different ways so that it's it's new and, and fresh. Yeah, no, so, we, we have a lot of fun when we do the shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we want to like, I'm the snarky one. So I get... <laughs> <laughs> that's my role I keep things moving and I get pretty snarky um got lots of soapboxes so I tend to be the comic relief um juxtaposed to her scientific research and and her her knowledge and I think it really works because it ends up becoming entertaining not only for the listener but for us as well one constant that goes through every single episode what no matter whether it's a serious episode or a fun episode is stress and how stress affects our pet. So we use that, uh, I think, a lot of times as a jumping off point for the topics, mm-hmm. because it's such a pervasive issue for our animals. Any behavior problem that an animal has is most likely due to stress. Mm-hmm. Where is that stress coming from? Is it environmental? Is it from us humans? Is it a health issue? It, you know, So that's pretty much a good jumping off point for a lot of our topics. Yeah. And just slightly below the stress theme is safety is the a next big one. Um, we're very passionate about trying to help people keep their animals safe and understand what is putting their animals at risk, what they can watch out for. That is awesome. And those are definitely topics that uh, are dear to our hearts as well. Toria, because you feel from your standpoint that, um, like you mentioned, uh, stress is, is a, a very dominant thing right now in, in animals in this society. I think it's always been a dominant thing. Animals, they don't naturally blend into our human world. They can adapt, but there is definitely um, a difference in the way animals think and how they move through their world as opposed to how woman, humans move through their world. And that can cause um, friction in the animal because they don't know how to behave. You know, a lot of times we humans expect animals to behave in a way that we would behave. We brought them, well, they chose our world, but we also brought them into our world and they're still trying to navigate it. Even centuries and centuries of them living amongst humans, they're still trying to navigate our ever-changing human world. And that causes a lot of stress. Now, not all of it is horrible stress. It's going to cause them to die early, but it does attribute to a lot of the issues that people have with their companion animals. I agree with that greatly, but I also, I like to call it a a communication problem because as humans, Mm -hmm. we communicate mostly verbally. And although that is not... I should say, we think we communicate mostly verbally, but right. truly, right, we, we aren't really aware or most people aren't aware of their body language and the energy that they portray. But I always try to tell people right away, animals are 98% 
body language energy. And so when they communicate, they read our energy, they read our intentions. And, and a lot of times what people don't understand is that they say one thing, you know, like for instance, to give you an example, I want my dog to stop barking or I want my dog to stop jumping, but their energy and their body language is a completely different story, right? Because they, they themselves are upset. They might be yelling. They, so it's almost like, I like to tell them, well, you're, you're barking with the dog, right? Because you're yelling and you're, you're upset, but at the same time, you think the dog should be quiet. And, you know, so shouldn't we model quiet and then would the dog be quiet too, right? So I think those are some of the things that, that I can see with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we and brought those up in our, in, in our episodes that, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, when you're yelling at your dog, you're barking back. So they're going to bark with you. It's yeah. just the yeah. nature of the animal. And of course, and- there's the aspects as well of um, not fully understanding the animal's body language because body communication can be very, very subtle. And most people are not trained to recognize their communication. And so it usually takes it escalating to biting or some kind of aggressive behavior or something like that, or behavior that's not appreciated in some way. And what I feel too, is that people don't really understand, like you're saying, the supple signs of stress in animals and they're often overlooked. And so then the animal has to almost become more obvious in, in what's going on, whether or not it's sometimes it's messing in the house or, you know, barking all the time or destroying things because that's, that's the only way that the animal could express itself in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a very, very interesting topic. And I could see where, as you were saying, um, you keep coming back to that throughout your episodes, because it's certainly something that is an underlying issue in so many different areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like you had mentioned the whole communication thing, that's also why I call it translation because the animal's always talking and they need to understand what you're saying. So it's more of a translation thing. And, you know, it's people like yourself who work on that level when it becomes the animal behavior, we need more people like that because it is, it's just the difference of how our brains work. Yeah. And that's a very beautiful way of putting it. You know, I always like to tell um, our dog training customers, you know, there really aren't bad behaviors. There are wanted and unwanted behaviors as we're living together with our dogs. But the dog, most of the time, if there's an unwanted behavior, the dog is only doing it because he's getting paid for it. And I I always said, I'm going to write this book and it's going to be titled (laughs) Attention is the Most Valuable Currency in the World because we pay our dogs or our pets with our attention. And the more we Mm -hmm. pay them, the more they're going to do the things, right? And oftentimes we pay them in the wrong ways and that I guess is my job as an animal behaviorist is to teach people, um, you know, when that dog jumps and you are interacting and you're saying, get down, stop it, push him down. You are interacting, you're giving attention, you're paying that dog. And so he's going to continue to do that because that's working for him. It's like, Hey, that's what I want. I want attention. That's all I want. So Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I love the I love the word uh, animal uh, translator, but of course you're you're on a different level than I am. I'm just 
um, more in tune with, and it comes from really being around horses mostly because they are even more supple in the way that their body language energy uh, connects in, in the way we can, um, you know, work with them. But uh, what I always find so fascinating is that um, dogs, cats too, but specifically dogs are actually very adept to understanding us, right? Even though we don't speak their language, they have so uh, become so in tune that if anybody, and I'm, I know we have a lot of people in our audience that own dogs, when you own a dog for a little while, that dog has become so in tune with you. And that's when, when it becomes so apparent how, how the energy works, how the, how the body language uh, really is understood by them. Another thing about the, the communication and the stress as well is that people don't think about their pet's natural instincts and natural behaviors. And, you know, like Victoria was kind of talking about how we sort of try to humanize our, the animals and we want our animals to behave the way we would expect another human to behave in, you know, being societies. <laughs> That doesn't work with animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's helping people to learn how to, to work with their natural behaviors instead of against them. Yeah. Cause the dog's going to bark. It's part of their nature. You can't stop a dog from barking. And why would you? Because that bark is what's going to save you. If something was to happen, understanding the instinctual nature of an animal is actually animal spirituality. It's why I do what I do because their instinctual nature is what makes them them. And we can't take that away from them. So it's yeah, really important right. that we, we work with their natural instincts, as Miranda said, and we bring that into as many episodes as we can as well. I think that's a big topic too, is that oftentimes people don't realize, um, especially when it comes to, from my perspective, when it comes to dogs, that there are meant to be a certain way because that's what they were bred to do. That's what their inherent nature is as that specific dog. And then they were put into a situation where they have no outlet for any of the, the beautiful skills that they have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that with cats. There's so many people that humanize cats. And I'm the crazy cat lady. And I have moments where I might pretend, but ultimately my cats are cats and I let them be cats. I'm not going to take that away from them. If they want to go kill every bug they see, I'm not going to stop them. That's what they do. And every time we do try to change that, when we try to humanize the animal, Again, there's where the stress comes in because you are creating stress within the animal because they're trying to be something they're not. I consider myself a pet parent. I'm their mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I talk to them, even though I know that they don't speak English, but I do understand also that my dogs, because they have lived with me for so many years, they understand the energy that I portray when I tell them you're a good dog or, um, but at the same time, it's about understanding that they also have have needs um, that are animal needs, right? And that, that they, they have to chew on a bone or like, like you said there, they have to uh, be able to hunt or they have to be able to be outside and run or bark or do the things that, that they're meant to do. Mm -hmm. You know, this might be a, a good title for one of your podcasts, but um, you can't lie to your dog. Mm -mm. 
right? You can't, or, or to your horse or to, to any other animal. And, and I guess that that's one thing that I find. Um, and that really helped me as a behaviorist and as a dog trainer um, is when I had horses, and I mentioned that earlier, um, because they're very, very sensitive to body language energy. And so then you have the story about your horse, right? And so I was always like, oh, Dixie, she, she gets scared at everything. If there's a, if there's a shadow around the corner, she'll get jumpy and dancey. And, you know, she was always very, very, um, uh, energetic. And then my husband's horse is very laid back and he's very relaxed, well, guess what? When I ride my husband's horse, my husband's horse all of a sudden isn't relaxed. And when my husband rides Dixie, all of a sudden Dixie isn't jumping at any of the shadows. So guess what? It had, it had to kind of be the rider, right? It's not mm-hmm. it's not the horse, it's the rider. And and that really brought it home to me. And and it but it helps me show people in our dog training because so many people have these stories around their pets and especially when there is a a problematic story or something they don't like um it's the always hyper and he can never he's a he's a lap and he can calm down and that's why he constantly barks and you know what we like to do is we just like to show first and then show the people how they can get the same behavior because people don't believe you when you just tell them, right? Mm-hmm. So when we walk in and the dog that's bouncing off the walls and is running all over within five minutes of us being there is calm and laying down and just watching us talk. And they're like, what just happened? I'm like, yeah, you know, this is the energy that we portray. And mm-hmm. the dog picks up on that and an animal will respond very, very quickly to leadership and and what you're showing them and I think that's just what we want people to understand it's it really is all about body language energy and it's about our intention and I mentioned earlier as humans we don't understand how our energy actually is reflected out into the world so um, to go back to that horse example when I'm in my mind I want to be the calm rider but my my energy is you know, I'm scared. I can't lie to that horse. The horse knows no. <laughs> my real feelings, right? I can say all I want. Oh, be quiet. I'm quiet. I'm not scared. No, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so we have mentioned in, in some of our shows that an, an anxious person is going to have an anxious animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a person who is full of fear is going to have an animal that's full of fear. They just absorb it. And that's just part of their natural way. But on top of that, animals also tend to give themselves jobs. So if you are dealing with some stresses or issues in your life at work or with family, whatever, a lot of times our animals will choose the job to take that away from us to help us, to help support us by absorbing more of it. And that ends up, if they do it for too long, that can end up making them sick, but they do it so unconditionally. It's just their natural way. It's just them taking what they naturally do and then putting in their own intention, say, no, I'm, you need my support. So I'm going to be there for you. And then they take more of it. And we need to be aware that animals by nature are empathic. They will 
feel everything that is coming off of you. So your energy is important. Your thoughts are important. Your words are important. Your this how loud you are is important because they're going to interpret all of that and then decide, okay, I need to be this role for this person at this point, or, oh my gosh, I am so scared that I'm just going to be in a constant state of anxiety. So we need to be really conscious of that for their sake. They really feel what we feel. And when you have an ant and a companion animal that has been with you for a while, it will mirror the things that you're feeling. It will mirror your fears and, you know, when you're anxious and you're stressed. So yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent there. Yeah. It's, um, it's just something to be conscious of because the other thing that we have to remember and Miranda can probably expand on this a little bit more. Animals also don't do well with change. So Miranda has done a lot of research on this because we've talked about this as well. Do you want to expand on that? Because it's not something that we really attribute to our animals. We don't like change, but we assume that the animal is just going to go with the plan and that doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Well, you know, I think again, if we kind of go back to their wild ancestors, you know, they they need to have um, a routine pretty much a routine to follow on a regular basis in order for them to survive. Because if they kept changing things all the time, like they would change where they hunted or they like their water and stuff like that, they wouldn't know what to expect, those types of things. And it continues with uh, our domesticated animals that they really want to have that routine and familiarity. So it's, it's really important to have certain key things that stay the same for them, like being fed at the same time, being, being walked at the same time. Um, but then when the environment changes, you know, you move furniture around or you suddenly have a lot of people in the home or you move to a new place and that those are all things that can be very difficult for them to adjust to, you know, I mean, obviously, sometimes we can't prevent those things from happening, but we can do things to help minimize the stress and help them to adjust to those changes. Oh, yeah. yeah, Communication works too. Like if you actually have, I'm a big believer in having conversations with your animals, whether you believe they understand every word you're saying or not. But if you're having a conversation, okay, this is what's going to happen you know, we, we're, we'll try to minimize it for you, but I just want you to aware that there's going to be changes. And it's not like the words are important. It's the energy that's important. Yes. It's that you are thinking about them and you are bringing them into the conversation. However, that, that may be on their end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that. I love that intent. And that's what, um, I like to tell people from a um, mindfulness perspective, if you haven't, as a person, if you have an intention, your body language energy will communicate that. And we, we still don't really understand how profound that is, but that's like pages and pages of conversation is, you know, when you just have an intention and you just, so I love the way you put that when you, when you say just to put them into the equation and um, take them into consideration. And, and I agree with you, Miranda, because 
um, you know, we always teach, like in our book, Keep Your Paws on the Road, we talk about traveling with pets, and that can be very, very stressful to animals, because again, it's, it's constantly changing. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why Jim and I started to travel in a fifth wheel rather than in vacation rentals and hotel rooms, because one of the things we found is that our animals were always a little uneasy because they're like, yeah, you bring our bed, which is great, but this is not a house. And so now you're going out for dinner and we're here in this weird place that smells weird. And, and we, we as humans can't even comprehend what that means for an animal. And so when we started traveling in our fifth wheel, now we bring our home to wherever we're going. So now, you know, that's their second home. Everything in there smells like us. Uh, it's not a different place. It might be parked in a different park and it's fun to go outside on adventures, but the, the home stays the same and everything where their bed is, where their food bowl is, is all the mm-hmm. same for them. So uh, it has really been the perfect way of traveling with our pets. Mm. I love that. Yeah, what what great conversation. Yeah, we could probably go on forever. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I highly encourage um, all of our, our listeners and our viewers to go and check out your podcast. It, again, it's the Animal Files podcast on all the major podcast channels. And the link will be in the description. You also have a website? Yes, we do. Okay, and share that yep, with us. That's, it's the animalfilespodcast.com. We also have like Patreon, we have Facebook groups, we have, you can find us everywhere. Just do the, just do a search for the Animal Files podcast and I'm sure you'll find us. (laughs) That's perfect. Well, I'm, uh, I'm so pleased that we were able to get together and have you on the show. Uh, You certainly are people with passion for pets. So I appreciate you much and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. You did too. It was fun. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for joining us today on People with Passion for Pets. We're Jim and B. Walker, and we share the adventure of life with our dog Apollo and Heidi. For more adventure videos, check out our YouTube channel, Modern Canine Vlog, or visit our website, www.mcs.dog. And until next time, keep your paws on the road. <laughs>